Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Shoney Atani hit his first Major League home run last night and, according to ESPN, ended a conversation about his ability to play both ways. It's 2018. I thought it was okay to play both ways. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Real talk, Atani should be able to use the pitcher's bathroom and the hitter's bathroom. Your Pittsburgh Pirates are the lone undefeated team left in Major League Baseball. Yeah! Last night on MLB Network, Eric Burns, who looks like he does so many drugs, said, don't sleep on the Buccos. Brian Kenny, he of the Sabermetrics community, replied quickly, I'm fast asleep on the Pirates. Fast asleep. Kenny went on to say that the team, like the Blue Jays, They've got some variants. They can surprise people. The Pirates, though, he said, don't have the guns to surprise people. Hey, Brian, they're the last remaining undefeated team in baseball. What? How does it feel to be dead wrong? What? Kenny is probably, if not likely, right. But the Pirates have a chance to get off to a pretty good start this year. They're 4-0 already after playing Detroit, one of the worst teams in baseball. They play the Reds next, who won 68 games last year. The Marlins, who won 78 games last year before shipping out some of their best players. The Phillies, who won 66 games last year. And the Tigers again. Do they really play the Tigers again? I wrote it down. It must be true. They do play the Cubs and Rockies for a series each in April. But if they play those teams 500, they've got a really good shot at getting out of April with a winning month. Guarantees nothing, but I expect the Pirates to be in the conversation as a contender until early September. Now, I have had to clarify this a bunch. What's it mean to be a contender? They're not a World Series contender. Hell, people aren't going to pick them to win a playoff series, but they will be hanging around that second wild card until the beginning of September because if you're mediocre, you're guaranteed to be hanging around. And they have the last few years with a good start. I don't see that changing this year. The schedule's set up nice. Taking advantage of it will obviously be key. Let's lead things off on a Wednesday in the Bronx where the Rays are taking on the Yankees. 5-1 Yanks with the lead there. Let's mosey our way down the street to Queens now where the Mets and Phillies have got a game going on. Bottom third there, 2-2 score. And one final score from our slate today, the Braves with a courageous effort against the Nationals. A 7-1 victory. Back to you, Adam. Columbus and New Jersey won last night. The Flyers lost. The one time I'm rooting for the damn Flyers, and they lose. The Pens and Jackets are now tied for second place in the division, while the Devils are one point back. Philly is bringing up the rear, and they sit in the wild card spot, just two points back at the Pens and Columbus. Columbus was down 4-1 to one yesterday. They came back to win for the second straight game. 
People say the Penguins are having issues with attention to detail. People are talking about how the Penguins aren't perfect. If you find yourself down three goals in back-to-back games, neither are you. And it's now the third time in four games that the Columbus Blue Jackets have trailed by three goals at some point. Talk all you want about how the Penguins are struggling. But I don't want to hear out of the other side of your mouth how well Columbus is playing. They've been able to score some goals late against bad teams. And good for them. They're picking up points. But if you fall behind three goals in the playoffs, you're done. You can't play that way. If the Penguins were playing that way, Mike Sullivan would be castrating them. Mike Sullivan would be dragging them behind a dumpster and beating them with a two-by-four. What are we hearing, though, from Torts? We just keep winning. We just keep winning. We just keep winning. We just keep winning. Okay. Lull yourself into a false sense of security. Think you're better than you are. Because the reality is, to me, well, Columbus has this long winning streak going right now. They don't look a damn thing different than the team the Penguins ousted from the playoffs last year. Panarin's playing great. They've got the greatest defenseman of all time, Ian Cole. Sorry, Bobby Orr. But they don't look all that much different to me. Scored a bunch of goals lately. Kudos. Their top four centers down the middle stink. Stink. The Penguins will counter with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Derek Broussard, and Riley Shane. Talk all you want about how the Penguins aren't playing good hockey. Talk all you want about the flaws that the Penguins have. Talk all you want about the defense and how they're not playing great away from the puck and how the power play is dried up of late and how the penalty kill sucks. Fine. I get it. You're not wrong. But don't paint Columbus to be this juggernaut that can't be beat. Because if you look at the analytics, which I don't typically do on this show, they'll tell you the Penguins are actually playing better hockey than Cebus. How about that, Torts? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. There's this hand-wringing right now about the playoff foes that the Penguins could perhaps play in the first couple of rounds. Here's a little nugget for you. Penguins are 10-4-1 against playoff teams from the Metropolitan Division. Penguins are 3-6 against teams in the Atlantic side of the bracket. Small sample size, sure, but you want to see the Penguins stay inside the Metro Division in the playoffs. 2-2 two two versus Washington. 4-0 versus Philadelphia, 1-2-1 versus New Jersey. The only way that could be more perfect is if they were 1-3-1, although they don't play that way anymore. 3-0 versus Columbus. The Penguins have had problems with attention to detail this year, something that makes a lot of sense, I think, for a team that knows what meaningful hockey looks like. But if there was any time that the Penguins were going to ratchet up their play, it would have been against division foes. And the Penguins did that this year. 17-8-2 against teams that they needed to play well against. To repeat, 17-8-2 when the Penguins actually cared. And some of those are in the second half of back-to-backs where I think the Penguins were just conceding after a while. Early in the season, when most were dismissing the Penguins' results, I said, look at statement games. I can bring up the notes. We could play the audio. I didn't tell Tom about it, so we're not going to. But I said it. The Penguins stink right now, is what I said. But they're playing well 
in statement games. Division games are statement games. And the Penguins haven't disappointed. The Penguins turn it on against division foes in the regular season, and if they did that, why shouldn't we assume that they'll do the same thing against them in the postseason? Sure, the Pens have had problems with New Jersey this year, but they have played much better against them the last two games. They won the last one. Either Columbus or Philly is the likely first-round matchup, and the Penguins haven't lost a game to either one of those squads. For as good as Columbus is, and the fact that they won 13 out of 15 games, the juggernaut that they've got in Ohio, they haven't beat the Penguins once this year. Why? Bad matchup. Bad matchup. Penguins haven't lost to them. They haven't lost to Philly because Philly sucks. And as I mentioned before, the Penguins match up really well against Columbus down the middle. They come with Crosby, Malkin, Broussard, and Shea. And the Jackets counter with, if you're driving, you might want to pull over. It's pretty bad. You know what, everyone, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Just pull over, okay? Just pull the car. I'm give you 10 seconds here. Just pull over. You're about to be stunned. 13 out of 15, Columbus is so good, they're great, their center depth has to be excellent. Well, you can win other ways, I get that, but here's what they're going to counter Crosby, Malkin, Broussard, and Shane with. Dubois, Wenberg, Letestu, Dubinsky. Ooh. Sure, the Jackets are a good defensive club, and they are a bitch of a four-checking team. But the Penguins have a significant advantage at the most important position in hockey. Not to mention, you want to go to the next most important position? Maybe this actually is the most important position. Bobrovsky has peed down his leg against the Penguins in the playoffs. And we're talking about a Vezina-quality goaltender. He's in the top 10 in save percentage. Not against Pittsburgh. Last year, I could have played goalie for Columbus. And it would have been a lot worse. Yeah, it's the end of the thought. I could have played goaltender for Columbus. I would have been worse than Bobrovsky. But he sucked, though. He was bad. Me worse. Bobrovsky, not good. And as I mentioned before, the Penguins match up really well against the Flyers because Philly tries to play a track meet style of hockey, and the Penguins are just better at it. The Penguins will say, okay, Philly, let's exchange chances. Let's see if our horses can put it behind your goaltender more than your horses can put it behind ours. Pittsburgh scored five goals four times against Philadelphia. And Washington, sure they're good. But two years ago, they had 120 points. Last year, the Caps thoroughly outplayed the Penguins, and yet the Penguins won the series. Why should things be different this year when the Capitals have a worse hockey team. Capitals are on pace to finish with 107, 108, 109 points if they win out. They had 122 years ago, and the Penguins, see ya. Last year, Washington, far superior to Pittsburgh. Far superior. Penguins beat them. Capitals to a man after the series said we were gripping our sticks too tight. Hmm. Why should things be different this year? The Penguins are familiar with the Metro teams. They've played well against the Metro teams. Finishing strong and staying in this half of the bracket, the metropolitan half of the bracket, is a must 
for Pittsburgh. If they do, I'll put money down tomorrow, and I feel confident that they can get back to the conference final. Are they better than Tampa? We'll see. Are they better than Boston? We'll see. Are they better than Toronto? We'll see. But if they stay on this half of the bracket and play all Metro teams from here on out, and I'm not talking about well-dressed teams, I'm talking about Metropolitan Division teams, if they play Metropolitan Division teams from here on out, they're going to the conference final. I feel confident that they'll get there. And by the looks of it, so do the Penguins. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jason Mackey at 620 to talk all about the Penguins. We've got Will Graves coming up at 520. He talked to Evgeny Malkin the other day, and Gino's feeling it right now, man. He's not playing as well as he was two weeks ago, but my God is the confidence high. We've got Jeff Capel, the head coach of the Pitt Panthers, coming up at 420. Capel. We've got the head coach of the Pitt Panthers, Jeff Capel, coming up at 420. He's pounding down, loading up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker, breaker, one nine. We got a 20 on a mama bear and a plain white wrapper taking snapshots and hanging paper on Bomb Boulevard at the Siesta Stand near the Slice Shack. Keep that pedal off the metal slow and low. Otherwise, Big Bad Bear, gonna take your honey. It's the Smoky Report. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the Bushes, Bear in the Air. You give us a holler and we'll get you home without that extra freight. And you remember, keep your shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. That is the earliest smoky report in the history of the Crowley Show. Keep them coming. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. You see a mama bear, papa bear, bear in the air, or in the bear in the bushes, you give us a ring. This one just popped across my timeline. William Gay is close to a deal with the Giants? To coach? To play? It should be to coach. Speaking of coach, Jeff Capel. Capel, head coach of the Pitt Panthers, going to join us next. It's the Crowley Show. As a marketer, you want to reach everyone. Adults, teens, millennials. But it's not like these groups all hang out in the same place, right? Actually wrong. They're all right here listening to radio commercials just like this one. Radio ads connect with 93% of Americans every week. That's more than Google, more than Facebook, more than TV. In fact, radio reaches 20% more millennials than TV. Want more of the people you want to talk to all in one place? You want to get to iHeartMedia.com and get AMFM working for you. I mean, seriously, they're going to bring in William Gay, who runs about as well as I do, to play? You think you can run faster than William Gay? No, but I could cover better than him. Nice. Uh, play well. We 
interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. This weather blows. I've been crying in my basement for five straight days. Jeff Capel joins us now, the head coach of the Pitt Panthers basketball team. Coach, really appreciate you jumping on the program here. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. First question, I think, is a layup. You're going to win a game this year, Coach. <laughs> I hope so. We are. We are. We absolutely are. What have you been up to your first week here in Pittsburgh? Just working, man. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. Meeting with the players, trying to get to know them, them to get to know me, trying to do some things, recruiting, trying to hire a staff, uh, meeting a lot of people, a lot of great people, uh, just trying to get you know people back involved, interested, the students trying to create energy. Um, you know, in, in, in interest in the program like it has been in the past. So it's it's been a lot, uh, but I'm, I'm, I've been around great people. I've met some amazing people, and I look forward to meeting more. Of all the things that you just described, I'm sure you're eager about each and every one of those things, but what do you look at as the biggest challenge in trying to turn this program around? The biggest challenge? uh <clears throat> You know, I, I I don't know. I think it's so many. I don't know if there's one thing that's bigger than the other. I mean, obviously, when when you've lost as much as you know we lost uh, in, in a row, that's probably the biggest challenge to getting confidence and, and getting you know guys to to understand and learning how to win and understanding that it's usually a lot of the little things that go into it. Um, this was an awfully young team last year. When Ryan went out with his injury, it, it made it even younger and inexperienced. They really had no one with experience at the college level. And that's very difficult, especially in a league like the ACC. And so they took a lot of lumps. Uh, but I think if we can stay together, then I think those things will be very beneficial for us uh, because they did get a lot of experience. And I thought they got better as the season went on. Um, but I think that would probably maybe be the biggest is getting them, getting our team used to winning, and you know, the understanding the the habits that we have to create uh, in order to be able to produce that. You feel like you've got a better idea now of what players are staying and what players might still try to test that transfer process. Yeah, you know, I wish I did, man. I wish I could tell you I did. You know, now it's been. It's you know it hasn't even been a week since the press conference. I mean, a week ago today was when it was announced, and uh, I started texting with those guys. I spoke to a few of them on the phone a week ago today. I met with them as a team on Wednesday, last Wednesday. I started doing individual meetings right after that, so that went till Friday. Um, you know, I, I you know talked to them yesterday, and I actually got on the court with them a little bit today for the first time. And that was really good. And so I'm hoping, you know, after all of that, and especially today, and we'll get on the court a little bit tomorrow, that I have a little bit better feel. All of them have been really good. They've been very receptive. You know, they were just, you know, it was a difficult year for them. And like I said, you know, you lose 19 games in a row, and then there's a coaching change, and then you go through almost a three-week period where you don't know. And in our profession, when there's uncertainty like that, there are a lot of people that can get in their ears and start telling them what they should be doing and and things like that. So sometimes it can cause confusion. Um, and hopefully, you know, we 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 were able to. 
to keep these guys and, 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 and to get these guys to understand that this is the best place for them. I imagine that coming into the program like this and dealing with everything you're having to deal with and trying to get things going, it can be very stressful and overwhelming. But you have done this before. You've come in and started at programs like Oklahoma. What do you know this time around as compared to then? Yeah, you know, when, when I went to Oklahoma, I was incredibly naive. I mean, I was 31. I'd, I'd been a head coach for four years. I'd only been coaching for six years, two as an assistant and four as a head coach. Um, I was going to a completely different part of the country that I'd never been been in or been to. The first time I stepped foot in Oklahoma was for the press conference. Um, and I was just incredibly naive. And, and one of the things, I mean, there were a lot of mistakes that I probably made. That said, in the first three years, we won, I think, 78 games. So we were pretty good. Uh, we, we were able to figure some things out. Um, I think, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I think that I made looking back, and I've done a lot of inventory over the seven years I was at Duke, um, and I learned a lot. I think one of the biggest mistakes I made was that I didn't, and I'm not knocking anyone, I'm knocking me more than anything, but I didn't really have the best staff I think I could possibly have as far as coaches. And, And I think part of that was that I was so used to doing everything by myself you know, and and uh, I didn't understand how to, you know, how to kind of put that to put that all together the right way. And uh, I think in the end that maybe bit me a little bit. Um, and so that's why I'm trying to be very patient and uh, very uh, thorough as I'm putting together this staff because I understand how important it is for the uh, for the overall success of our program. Jeff Capel joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, you've been quoted as saying that you'd like to bring Brandon Knight on board. How's that coming along? Break some news here, Jeff. <laughs> I wish I had some news for you. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, and and uh, but you know I have. You know we have spoken, and uh, um, you know we'll see where that goes. How about the rest of your staff? I'm sure you had a list of names, guys that you want to reach out to. How's that been coming along? It's coming along. I mean, it's moving. Um, you know, I feel like I've, I've identified the parts, and, and now it's just trying to, you know, get them here. And uh, I feel good about the direction that we're moving in from that standpoint. Again, I, I wanted, one of the things that I wanted to do was to get here and to feel the place and to be around the people and to feel the people, feel the players, and just kind of get a feel for exactly. I had in my mind what I thought I needed, but to get here and to kind of feel it and then to go from there. And so uh, I feel good about where we are right now. What's your early relationship been like with Heather Like, and how involved is she going to be in the program? Yeah, it's 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 been really good. I mean, she was one of the main reasons why I felt like this was the right fit. Um, I, I wouldn't have taken this job, even though it's it's an ACC job and a really good job. I wouldn't taken it if I didn't feel like I, I had a connection with 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 Heather. Um, that was probably the main thing as I ventured or as I thought about becoming a head coach again. And it's something I really wanted to do, but I was going to be very patient because it wasn't, I wasn't just going to take a job just to take a job. You know, I knew that everything had to align for me. And one of the main things was the type of relationship that I could have with the athletic director. Um, That was very, very, it was probably the most important thing to me. And there was a connection I felt right away with her um, and with Chancellor Gallagher, 
and I trusted that, and, and, and I think we'll have a great relationship. You mentioned the ACC. One of the things that was talked about with Jamie Dixon, not that I need you to comment on them, was that he was having trouble recruiting and competing in the ACC. Obviously, we knew what happened the last couple of years under Kevin Stallings. You are the recruiter extraordinaire. That's what everyone's saying. Uh, you brought in some of the best players in the country. I bet you could even call Blake Griffin right now. So what kind of players are you thinking you'll be able to bring to the University of Pittsburgh? And do you think you'll be able to bring players with that same kind of talent level from Duke uh, to here? Yeah, you know, the the, the thing that we're going to concentrate on as far as, you know, types of players, you know, I I want guys that, a, I want guys that really love to compete um, and that love to work and that love the game. I want toughness. Um, I want guys that are skilled. And I want guys that really want to be a part of something. And, uh, you know, we aren't going to cut any corners there. We're, you know, we need to do a great job of evaluating. Uh, we need to do a, you know, a great job of communicating and getting out and working and uh, finding the right guys. And, and you know, the guys that, you know, we were able to recruit when I was at Duke, those were the right guys for what we wanted there, you know, and, and we're going to go after the, the, the best guys here. And if they happen to be five-star guys and they're five-star guys, if they're not, then that's fine. You know, it's it's uh, I just watched the team win a national championship with not a lot of five-star guys. And so there are a lot of ways that you can do this thing. You have to figure out the best way for you and not uh, – and, 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 not just succumb to what a kid is ranked. Jeff Capel joining us here on the Crowley Show. I'm sure that you want to come in and get picked to the tournament in year one. I'm sure you also have a realistic timetable in your head of when you think that that's possible. What is that expectation for you? You know, I expect us to be good. You know, I don't, I'm not a guy that puts a timetable on things. I think that would be unfair. If I came in and I thought that we couldn't do it right away or whatever, then that's unfair to Ryan Luther. You know, who if he if he stay he has one year here, that's unfair to him. I would never do that. You know, I think if we can keep our core group of guys together, um, and and you know if if Ryan comes back and obviously he's healthy and and you know Malik Ellison who was out last year had to sit out, he's back and with the experience those guys got. I think we'll be a much better team, and then maybe we add a piece here late or a couple of pieces. Um, and then let's see where we go from there. But I don't. I don't have. I really don't. I don't have a timetable of uh, year two or at the end of this year or whatever. I want to be really good. That's look. I'm used to winning, man, and I, I, I feel like I know how to how to do that. And I feel like I, I can get guys to want to play for me, to play for each other, uh, to play for the university, and to do all of those things. And um, so I, I don't have a timetable on this thing. I I want us to be the best versions of ourselves right away and let's see what that leads to forgive me for my ignorance here because i'm not good at reading a, a lot of things uh, how, how's your scholarship situation right now i'm not up on all the ncaa rules but I, I do think that i understand you might be hampered a bit this off season uh I, I don't know what you mean by hampered as far as like in what way I don't think we're hampered. Official at all. visits. Think, if, if Stallings had taken official visits, does that hamper then your ability to go on official visits this off season? Yeah, no, no. I mean, we have. I think it's. I think we have three official visits left that we can give for the rest of this year. Uh, you know, for the rest of this, this, you know, the bringing guys for next year, um, and that's enough. <laughs> I mean, that's enough. Now, if 
if some guys decided they wanted to leave, then we get official visits back. Gotcha. So let's say if one guy wanted to leave, then we get one. If another guy wanted to leave, then we get another one. So, you know, like I said in my press conference, man, there are no excuses. We'll figure out a way to get this thing done, and I know it's going to be a lot of work. I understand that. But that's something I've never been scared of. I've never been scared of work. I've never been scared of the process. Um, I actually look forward to it, and, and I look forward to building this thing. Last couple of things here with Jeff Capel, uh, University of Pittsburgh, uh, head basketball coach. If I did ask you, and you're not going to do it on the radio show, obviously, if I did say call up Blake Griffin, you, you could totally do that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably talk to Blake at least two or three times a week still. I mean, this is a relation. When I took the job at Oklahoma, Blake was a junior. I had no idea who he was. I mean, I was recruiting VCU. There's no way I was recruiting at VCU. <laughs> you know, five-star guys and uh, certainly wasn't recruiting out of that region. And I had no idea who he was. And we now, when I took that job, I was hampered. We had NCAA restrictions. I had a number of days I could go out. I had a number of phone calls restricted. There were scholarship restrictions. I mean, I was under all of that. Blake and I established a relationship right away through text. Luckily, I could still text. And uh, we text every day back then. And we text pretty much since he committed to us. We text pretty much every day or every other day since then. And so my relationship with him is still incredibly strong. And uh, I actually saw him when we went down and played Georgia Tech this past season. He was there. We went out to dinner. Um, so he's he's one of the guys. He and his brother Taylor that I'm still pretty close with all of them. But he's probably the one I've been the closest to. Last couple of things here for Jeff Capel. Would you like to play a game of rapid fire? Could you do that for us, Coach? I can do it, absolutely. Favorite sports team to root for? Favorite sports team in any sport? Just a sports team? Any sport. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you're good. You're too good, man. I'm a West Virginia guy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a West Virginia guy. I want to come suit up and play some basketball for you. (laughs) Favorite food? Favorite food? Uh, Anything my wife cooks. Oh, you're good. My God, this guy's too smooth. How old for your first kiss, Jeff? How what? How old? How old? You know, you know. It's funny you guys said. I was thinking about that thing. I was trying to figure it out because, like, my daughter is getting to the age. Where, oh. like, I think I was around the same age, and you know, I, I think I was in. I think I was in fifth grade. I remember it, too. I remember the girl's name and everything, like See, my first kiss. So. I, I'll tell you what, Coach. I don't think that uh, you got to worry about your daughter. You just call up Blake get Griffin. Uh, <laughs> they'll kick the dude's butt. No question. No question. <laughs> loudest road venue you played in? The loudest road venue I've ever played in, uh, it's a tie. Number one, it's a tie between Old Cold Field House, where, where, where I played when I was at Duke, Maryland's place, and then Fall Gallon Fieldhouse at Kansas. I coached the first year I coached there was my second year at Oklahoma because you didn't play around Robin. And uh, that's the year they won it. And it's the loud, that's probably the loudest place I've ever been in. Biggest role model in your life? The biggest role model in my life was my dad. Um, my dad passed away in November, but he was he was my hero and still is my hero. And so he was always the biggest role model. Jeff, really appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything you're doing at the University of Pittsburgh. You won this West Virginia guy over, and uh, now I feel terrible. I don't feel terrible at all. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Coach. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Smooth talk of that Jeff Capel. Smooth. Coming up next, the Penguins are flawed. I won't deny it. They're not perfect. 
But look around. Which team is? It's the Crowley Show. Hi, Tom Bodette. Ever notice how some places use fancy words just to make things more expensive? Like calling anything handmade craft or using aioli when they just mean mayonnaise. Well, at Motel 6, expensive words aren't really our thing. Our thing is clean, comfortable rooms at a great low price. So you can get a good night's sleep that leaves you feeling as fresh as that massage kale salad. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. I am perfect. No, you're really not. No, I've never done anything wrong. Yeah, you really have. I smell good. You do smell good. I do. Thank you for giving me that one. Come close. This show is growing. Ratings are up 700% despite the fact that the signal blows. We ain't afraid of no signal. We are good enough that people want to find us. iHeartRadio app, 970 AM. Don't you dare even try 106.3. That died an early death. It's just awful. You want to listen to country music? 106.3 FM. So 970 iHeartRadio, up 700%. Got all the highlights there. People love us so much so that I just got a tweet from Andrew, at underscore Adam Crowley, saying, I'm going to be a dad. All right. All right. All right, Andrew. He's a jolly good fellow. He's a jolly good fellow. Which nobody can deny. Congratulations to you, Andrew. May I suggest naming your child Crowman? Oh, that's a nice name. It is. Yeah, that's a kid destined for greatness. Crowman. C R O W. M-A-N. Middle name, uh, Tom. Last name, LaMartina? Sure, why not? Crowd man, Tom LaMartina. Welcome to the world in about nine months, buddy. Oh, man, that kid is going to do great things. Yeah, good for you, man. Congratulations, Andrew. Well done, Andrew. I do wonder if this is a new staple on the Crowley Show. Good news in your life? Give us a ring. Why not? We'll congratulate you. (laughs) You don't have a good family? Your friends suck? We'll be your family. We'll be your friends. In exchange for your listenership, we do nothing for free. Nor will you, Crow Man. Crow. Capel. Capel. 412-922-2874. Stop viewing your teams through a microscope. Zoom out a little bit. Don't just look at your squads and nobody else. Get a scope of the league. All year long in football season, people in this market talked about the Steelers' weaknesses while comparing them to the mighty New England Patriots. And I said all along, there really wasn't a difference between Pittsburgh and New England. The Steelers' problems seem great because you're watching them week in and week out. But the Patriots, they had problems too. Here's a dirty little secret. 
In capped sports, there are no perfect teams. Everybody's got a flaw. The Steelers' defense sucked, and they got bounced. The Patriots gave up a million yards in the Super Bowl, and they got bounced. When the teams played each other, the difference was an Al Riveron rule decision. The Eagles were terrible down the stretch. The Vikings, they were in the NFC Championship game. They were playing with a backup quarterback. The Jags had a terrible, dreadful offense at times. Teams in the NFL are flawed. Steelers are among them. But if you picked five teams that had a chance to win it all, you'd have put them in there. The NHL's the same, yo. Everyone and their mothers talking about how hot the Blue Jackets are. We don't want to play them. That's because they read the stats. Columbus has won 13 of 15. They're a great team, Adam, right? Wrong. Process matters. The Penguins, according to Corsi 4 percentage, nerd alert, are actually outplaying them. But forget that because we don't do much of that on this show. And Tom's shaking his head. Not allowed to do that. Columbus has been down three goals in three of their last four games. They're winning. They're not playing great hockey. If you fall behind like that, you're not playing well, period. They were down 4-1 to one last night to the Red Wings. Does this mean they're a bad hockey club? Absolutely not. They're a good team. They're finding ways to win. But if the Penguins were winning that way, by falling behind and outscoring teams in the second and third period, Stan would be ripping them apart. The station across the street would be allowing callers to rip them apart. And Madden... And Bork would be critical of their play. I would even say that it's an unsustainable way to get things done. You get behind in the playoffs, you usually lose. But now everyone in this town is hiding behind their keyboards, quaking at the thought of playing the Jackets. Spoiler alert, the Penguins are flawed. Spoiler alert, so is everyone else. Boston's head coach last night, Bruce Cassidy, talked about how his younger players didn't respond to the stage against Tampa. That's a problem. They're really good, but that's a flaw. They've won five of their last ten games. Tampa is talented, but they've won five of their last ten games. The Devils are hot, but they're a year early, and they've only got a plus-five scoring differential. Philly's a 500 hockey club. The Capitals are hot, but this is the worst team they've had in half a decade. When the Penguins limp into the playoffs, fans lose their minds. Forgetting the fact that the Penguins were 4-4-2 and two down the stretch last year. When the Penguins limp into the playoffs, critics will say, you've got to be playing great hockey going in. Boston and Tampa are better teams. Well, shouldn't they be ruled out too then, if the Penguins are being ruled out? Because they're not playing great hockey right now. You watch the Penguins play every day, as does the local media and you cherry-pick reasons why you need to be worried. I'm sure in Tampa, Boston, Washington, Columbus, and Toronto, they've all worked out reasons in their heads why they won't win the Cup. Just drop the damn puck in the playoffs. Things change. Desperation levels go up. Teams play with a lot more attention to detail. A lot of teams have a shot. Because every team has flaws, not just your Penguins. And if we're looking at teams with flaws, I'll take the team that's just won the championship in back-to-back years. 412-922-2874 at underscore Adam Crowley. It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know. 
and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. Francis tweets, you're in the wrong profession. You need to be singing. What an incredible voice. Anything for the crowd, man. The Penguins' home road splits are not as bad as you might think. They're eighth in puck possession on the road, fifth in puck possession at home, in expected scoring chances, here we get nerdy again, they're fourth at home, they're 16th on the road. Now, that's not good, but if you eliminate the second half of back-to-backs on the road, the Penguins' numbers look a lot more like they do at home. Pittsburgh's been bludgeoned in back-to-backs this year. Something we haven't seen them have to deal with in the playoffs the last two years. Matt Murray, likewise, has struggled in back-to-backs. He's 5-5 five and five in his career with a 9.04 save percentage. He did not play well against Washington on Sunday. Again, we won't see him have to do that in the playoffs. But I do like that Mike Sullivan went with Matt Murray anyhow. Matt Murray was playing great prior to his concussion. He was 8-1-1 in his last 10 games. He got on a roll for the first time all year. He should play the final two games to give him a chance to get another one. More reps for Murray? That's better. Phil Kessel took a slash on the hands against Montreal. He looked to be in considerable pain. He played on Sunday despite clearly being hurt. He wants to keep his 690 straight games Ironman streak intact. I can't say I blame him. It obviously means a lot to the guy, but he needs to be healthy for the playoffs. Playing these last few games, if he's got a chance to heal up, could wind up hurting the team. Mike Sullivan said, if he's healthy enough to play, he'll play. Now, everyone's got a different threshold, and I want to see this team put itself in the best position to win the Stanley Cup again. Anybody sick of hearing the conversation about the Hart Trophy? It's been melting microphones all across Canada over the last month. Here's my take. Taylor Hall's meant the most to his team. He's sixth in the league in scoring. He's sixth in points per game. To me, though, I'd go with the best player in hockey. I don't care if a team makes the playoffs. I care about an individual performance. If somebody hits 73 home runs in baseball and their team blows ass, I'm still going to vote for that guy to win the MVP. Connor McDavid's team blows ass. He's been the best player in hockey this year. More specifically, the second half of the season. He's got 103 points in the league where we don't see people hit 100 points very often anymore. So if I had a vote, it'd go to that guy. I'd also like to amend a previous statement. I said that Taylor Hall meant the most to his team. Penguins weren't in a playoff spot until Evgeny Malkin's ass was on fire. Now he's cooled off a bit, but I expect him to get going again in the playoffs, where we won't see McDavid and we may or may not see Taylor Hall. We probably will, but that wouldn't have made for as good of an end of a segment. Up next, my grandma weighs in on tonight's game for the Buckos, plus... They should call him Nostra Malkin. How about that? It's the Crowley Show. This is a message from the emergency stuffed crust warning system. Cheese! Little Caesar's Extra Most Bestest Pizza now has three feet of cheese stuffed in the crust for just nine bucks. I repeat, it has three feet of cheese stuffed in the crust. Cheese! 
That concludes the message from the emergency stuffed crust warning system. Get a large Little Caesars Extra Most Bestest Pepperoni Stuffed Crust Pizza for $9. Top four national pizza chains. Extra Most Bestest Pizza versus large round one topping pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices. Three feet of cheese before cooking at participating locations plus tax. Pizza, pizza. Hey, Tom, did you see that new Raven skin dropping on Fortnite? There's a new skin oh, on Fortnite? Oh, would you shut the hell up about that? Are you kidding? He's a jolly good fellow. He's a jolly good fellow. ESPN Pittsburgh Traffic.